You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Good evening, good evening, good evening. This is indeed The Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. And for the next hour, we are going to be talking to you about all things board games, card games, role-playing games, and any games you can play on the tabletop. We used to do this quite often, but we haven't in a while because life and the plague got in the way. But like a phoenix elf rising from the ashes, we are back from our hot little seat here in Hobart in little old Tasmania in big old Australia. We used to claim to be the biggest and best at this in the southern hemisphere now in the last couple of years since we've been gone a few people have laid claim to that themselves but they're about to learn that their arms are a bit too short to box with god because we're back in the hot seat and i am leon joined here as i am always well not of late but you get the idea by my friend mr garth how are you garth leon it is great to be back in the studio at edge radio Mm. and Look, it, it feels like episode one, but in reality, it is episode 322, believe it or not. So we also weren't here for episode one. No, we weren't. No, there were some other folks here and we got rid of them sharp issues. Jeez, we, we made very smart choices. We got rid of all the old trash and yeah. we've now got you and I as the new trash. We've just <laughs> well, yeah. So look, yeah. sometimes, you know when you just you just have a bad smell? Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you do to get rid of it. It just doesn't go away. Yep. Well, sometimes it goes away for like eight months or nine months or so, and then it yeah. just comes crawling back. Sometimes the bad smell just goes, I just can't do this anymore. But then the bad smell crawls back and says, actually, yes, I can. Well, Mark, <laughs> it is so good to have you back behind the buttons. Thank you so much, Garth. And welcome back to being a member of the Dice Men Cometh up after what was clearly an early retirement well yeah sort of i don't know i i felt like i was ready and then i missed it Mm -hmm. and i missed all the people crying out mark when are you gonna come back we miss you so much yeah well the the voices in your head there's medication (laughs) for that but that's fine well the people have spoken and i have listened and i'm back and maybe i might only be about 10 percent of this episode because it's been a while since i've Push these buttons. <laughs> and for anyone who's listened since way back to the Stone Age where I first started to learn to push these buttons, you might know that I struggle with it a bit occasionally. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be here behind the desk while you two chat backwards and forwards. And if I feel like I've got something worthwhile to say, I'll chime in. Yeah, that sounds exactly like you, Mark, because yeah. it doesn't matter if actually you've got anything useful to say, but you'll, you'll chime in with your two, three, and four cents worth. Yeah, don't worry, kid. We're all pros at this. We'll hold your hand through the whole thing. So, as to dust off an old catchphrase, Garth, what on earth are we talking about this evening? Well, on this week's Welcome Back episode, we're going to start with where the hell we've been for the last couple of years and mm. why. So, we're not going to talk about that yet. We're going to go to a song. But then we've got a review coming up of one of Australia's newest board games. Game sensations, mm. Land versus Sea, which yep. is designed by an Aussie, published by an Aussie gaming company, and is, well, is it good or not? We'll get to that in the review. And then with typical Dice Man fashion, for those <laughs> long-term listeners, we've got a really detailed and in-depth third break already planned, 
that we won't get time to. No. Because we'll not. always talk longer than we plan on talking. Mark, with those two, three, and four cents worth, we'll just rattle on about, I don't know, something about birds in trees and, and what have you. That's usually how he goes. Yes. But we've also just got to educate new listeners about what board gaming is. So we'll do that when we get back. We'll introduce ourselves. We'll say what we've been up to, and then we'll get into the meat of the show. Mark, what do you reckon? Well, I think before we do throw to the track, we should say hello to all those people who were so excited they couldn't wait for the podcast to come out in a few days' time. They're listening live either on the radio airwaves at 99.3 FM here in Hobart or on the interwebs via edgeradio.org.au. So thank you so much for tuning in. We love you all. You've been loyal fans. All two of you have come back. <laughs> and I just i am so excited. It's fantastic. Well, Mark, let's push some buttons. We'll play a song and we will be back after this. Let's see if he gets it right. <laughs> hello, hello. Ignatius Cevicek, Portal Games, and you're listening to The Dice Man Comet. Have a great time. everyone, this is Steve. And this is BJ from Board Game Gumbo. So Steve, remember how we were worried that our appearances on the Diceman Cometh doomed the show? Yeah, BJ, we thought the American guest hosts ruined things. Well, we're off the hook. I got some great news. The Diceman returneth. Oh, thank goodness. The guilt was crushing me. Welcome back, Mark, Garth, and Leon. Cheers, mates. It's Tina from Behold Games and Board Game Cruise Australia, and I'm very excited to hear what the Dice Men Cometh will get up to next. Hey guys, it's great to have you back. I can't wait to thrash you all in person at the next convention. Well, there you go. Just after Phoebe Bridges with Kyoto here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM, we had some of our amazing friends, fans, listeners, colleagues, whatever you want to call them, we had BJ and Steve all the way from the USA. We had Tina, as she said, from Behold Games and the, don't forget, the Board Game Cruise. I'm sure we're going to talk about that in the coming year. And our friend QC, who was so excited she forgot to say her name, but she can't wait to thrash us in person. We can't wait for that either, QC. And just like you were so excited you forgot to say that the two boys from America are from Board Game Gumbo. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. Thank you, Leon. There you go. So, look, for all of those new listeners who have the joy of now listening to three people talk about board games, <laughs> maybe a good opportunity to actually tell people why there is a radio show about board games because it's kind of... Uh, it's ridiculous. You know, really? Why not? Only in your basement. You're, you're usually sort of tucked away in a corner. You're just playing games that, that no one likes. Isn't that how, how board gaming is? Yeah, and normally it's like three, like, you know, middle-aged, overweight white guys and... the t Oh... No, I guess some stereotypes still kind of kick into gear, I guess. Well, yeah. And how long can you talk about Monopoly for, Garth? Well, I reckon about 70 or 80 years, <laughs> the way Monopoly's been going. But look, yeah, we thought, you know, this is, this is episode one, but really 322. Mm -hmm. So why? Why are we talking board games? Well, the, the reality is this hobby is enormous. It has gone exponentially bigger and bigger and bigger over the last 10, 15, 20 years. It had a massive spike with the advent of crowdfunding, things like Kickstarter and what have you, and mm. turned almost anyone into a potential board game publisher. And that got many, many, many more games into the hands of many, many, many more people. 
And also, just the reality that you can go to not just your local board game store, but you can go to a lot of major retailers these days and they don't just have your Monopolies and your Scrabbles and your Trivial Pursuits and all of those ones that everyone knows and everyone typically grew up with, but ones that are more more niche, more uh, maybe more gamey as far as um, you know, us hardcore gamers would be concerned, but they're also more interesting, they're more in-depth, but sometimes they're just plain more fun. Yep. Now, the way that the three of us in the Dice Men Cometh got together was around a gaming table years and years and years ago, and we said, this is really, really fun, we should tell people about it, and that's how the show started all those years ago, albeit with yourself, Mark, mm -hmm. and my brother-in-law, Trent, who made the very wise choice to get out of here after 50 episodes <laughs> or so. But it, it basically just fed on itself, this radio show. We, we were able to get a certain degree of popularity. The board gamer community rallied around us and really enjoyed the content that we were creating. And now here we're back. And Garth. Yes? What the people, the listener, wants to know is, tell us about you, Garth. Garth the board gamer, mm. what do you like? What don't you like? What do you spend your hard-earned board gaming dollars on? Yeah, so for me... He doesn't. He waits for me to buy it is the answer <laughs> to that question. You beat me to it, Leon. But yes, that's, that's absolutely true. And thank you for backing a couple of games recently. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that in the future. But look, for me, gaming is all about the people around the table. It doesn't really matter what the game is. It's about who I'm playing. However, the game has to involve the option for me to crush those people, <laughs> either through shrewd negotiation skills and deciding for myself that I wanna manipulate the game and the people around me to make sure that I get what I want. Or it might be something more heavy and Euro-y where I'm just moving my resources around the board so much more efficiently than anyone else around the table, but it doesn't matter. I guess one of the games I, I really, really like is the classic Cosmic Encounter, which is theoretically a spacey game where you're going around and conquering planets, but it doesn't really matter because it's all about negotiation and talking and saying that you're going to do something. Leon, I'm absolutely going to do this for you and you'll get that planet. Thank you. Trust me. Lovely. <laughs> no, you're not. Oh, you're yeah. definitely not going to get that planet. <laughs> Don't trust it. No. I'll play a card. I'll do a thing. I'll manipulate the game state and you'll end up worse off than you were before. But thanks for trusting me. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I haven't done that in a very long time. But yet somehow you still keep winning because everyone else at the table doesn't listen to me when I keep saying, stop Garth. He's got to keep doing this. But then they just bicker amongst themselves and you still win from time to time. Absolutely. So for me, my genre of choice is negotiation games, followed closely by the heavier Euro side of things. Vital Lacerda you know, is one of my favourite designers and those games are three and four hours long. Mm. They're very heavy, they're very crunchy, but with the right group and the right, I guess, environment, they are spectacular to play. Mm -hmm. For the last couple of years, well... Like so many of us, life's been turned upside down. <laughs> Do you know the industry I was in a couple of years ago? <laughs> oh, no. What was it? It was travel. Trav yeah. tra travel. 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 So you know how we travelled from my house? Yeah. Where we, we met up and played a game and we travelled to the studio? Uh-huh. Just think if you were going to do that, say, interstate or internationally. What? But, well, that's not a thing. No, I know it's not a thing, so I'm not doing that anymore. No. So, you know, the last two years have involved career changes and that's been all exciting and interesting and sometimes a bit disappointing. Uh, but apart from that, life is pretty good. And it must be because we're on a very kind of safe, 
kind of secure and kind of isolated little island on the bottom of a much larger island. And, and I personally am very grateful for that. The family is healthy, friends are healthy, we get to do this. And that's what I'm really looking forward to over the, the next weeks and months is getting back into the studio, playing more games, talking with our listeners as well. Okay, well, that's great. But there's another guy sitting here. Leon. Hello. Now, you've been up to all sorts of things in the past two years. <laughs> I've been Tell up... us all about it. I've been up to some mischief. Now, when I joined the Dice Man Cometh, I was considered the, the young guy, the, <laughs> the young gun, if you will. I was in my 20s at the time. I sure as hell am not now. Um, and I used to be the guy that would spend all my money on all the things. Um, that has changed quite a bit as well, which I'll tell you about soon. And um, whereas it comes to the games I like, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. I'll happily play anything with anybody as long as it's, you know, it's a good bit of fun. But I'm probably on the other side of the spectrum where it comes to Garth, when it comes to the things that I enjoy, that I'm more the, the big flashy kind of games and whatnot. But... I have a bit more substance to me than that. Although I do must say I'm a big fan of a, a casual party game. Just anything that puts smiles on my friends and family faces is, is a big fan of. But then I'm also a kind of person that will happily sit down for 12 hours and play a giant, say, Twilight Imperium game. <laughs> Between that and playing a role-playing game like a Dungeons & Dragons to get the creativity bubbles flowing with the friends there, the kind of things that I've been able to continue doing in the last two years where not much else has been going on. Not a lot of board gaming, but I have managed to get some D&D and some Twilight Imperium in, that's for sure, with some fun bits of party games from time to time as well. So that's normally where I lay. But what I've been doing the last couple of years, you would not believe it, I'm still making chocolate. Wow. <laughs> that's a thing that I still do, because I'm an essential worker, unlike you lads, that can just bum around at home and still pretend it's a job. Uh, hang no. on, hang on. What was your job today, Leon? Your job was rolling around, <laughs> lathering yourself with cocoa butter, wasn't it? No, I fixed a blocked pipe. It just happened to explode in my face. But that's beside the point yes and i am still very very happy in my life with my beautiful dice wife sarah uh and one of the reasons why and i hate to tell you folk one of the reasons why this show kind of came to a screeching halt as it was earlier earlier it was almost a year ago to the day was because i became a daddy i had a little baby and his name is jericho and if you follow us on the instagrams you would have seen him he is i mean i know it's a bit of a cliche but he is the best looking kid that's ever lived (laughs) that's that's for sure it's pretty obvious and he is every cliche in the world about being a father is sadly true i hate to break it to you they are all true he is the apple of every eye that i own which currently at the moment is two mm-hmm. um so that's what i've been doing for the last year or so is not sleeping um mainly because i'm a shift worker but also because i have a child under the age of one and trying to get in gaming when i can now garth yes we're sitting here as it's always us sitting here but even longer before we try decided to have a bit of a break about a year ago there used to be an old fella that used to kick around from time to time that he just just abandoned us about a year before that i think you'll find but um he's come roaring back with a vengeance i think you'll find as well and his mark and he's right there well i don't know about a vengeance (laughs) not covid um (laughs) but i'm back um i've had an exciting two years that's for sure um unlike garth my career is still sort of going okay because i work for the government and we pay people who don't have any other money and (laughs) there's just been more and more and more of those so i don't think that works going away anytime soon i did happen to uh be very lucky enough to marry my former gaming partner now wife 
Sarah, as opposed to your wife Sarah, that yes. we always get confused. Always about. been very helpful. That. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> three billion women in the world, Mark. Three billion, <laughs> and you had your choice of literally, or just the one. But it's beside the point. Could have changed the name. Well, but um, so Sarah and I were lucky enough to get married after about three false starts because of COVID uh, in May last year, and I have to admit. I've spent probably most of my time gaming with her, in fact. So I've very much got into the two-player games. We're very much into the sprawling narrative games, let's say. So we're talking about games that maybe take 20 or 30 or 40 hours, but spread out over a whole bunch of episodes. And they tell a story. And you get to get involved in the story and you probably get to read lots of amazing paragraphs or let me talk about the story of a game of Nemesis that I played just recently, where an engineer in a wheelchair with one arm was punching an alien with that one <laughs> arm because they'd run out of bullets, were down to their last few life points, and we had to roll the die or draw a card and see whether the alien was going to kill that engineer. And in fact, the alien chose to run away as you'd expect to happen and the uh, that engineer then wheeled off to the next room and well he died eventually but it was, <laughs> at the time it was a great story and those are the sort of stories that games can tell us i do i do like the heavy euros i do like the fun party games you know what i like them all i think and so many times when i say to people in my life when i'm chatting and they i say i play board games and they say Oh, what's your favourite game? Everyone loves that question. I go, well, who am I sitting around the table with? Who am I playing it with? Am I playing it with my beautiful wife? Am I playing it with my good friends? Am I playing with a group of people that I don't know? Are we wearing masks? Are we not wearing masks? Are we infectious? How much time do we have left and what food is there? All these things come into consideration to decide you know, what is a great game? That got very dark there by the end for a second. There. <laughs> sure did. Yeah. But I mean, I guess the reality is the good thing, as you say, Mark, is it does it does depend on a lot of factors. Yeah. And it does matter whether or not we want to play a five-minute game because we finished our, our big game for the night and we've got a few minutes while we're just waiting to finish our drinks or what have you. Or we're organising an epic game day where we're going to thrash out a, a six or 12-hour behemoth of a game. And that's why we have to have hundreds of the things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Leon, you have a number of games, which is a very, very high number. I've got a pretty sizable number of board games myself. And Mark, you've got a number as well. They are in the hundreds, mm -hmm. but that's because they all serve a purpose. And the purpose ultimately is fun with your friends and your family. And that's what we're here to do, to try and spread that love, to engage, to educate, and also have a bit of fun along the way. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a break, come back and tell you about one of those games that you can go and buy from a game store, either online or in real real bricks and mortar. So you're with the Dice Men Cometh. This is Edge Radio 99.3 FM, and we'll be back after this song. Exciting start. Hi, this is Matthew Dunstan, and you're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, the best podcast in Australian board gaming. Have you been feeling a little grey lately? Or maybe heavy, ricarded? Maybe that's because there's been no Dice Men filling your ears with board game cannon. Well, have no fear, gamers, because the band is back and are a force to be reckoned with, with Mark Hamill Rickards being the Luke to Garth's Vader and Leon Calrissian playing both sides, anything could happen. 
It's been too long, gentlemen, but now the force has reawakened. It's great to have you back. Hi from Richard in Newcastle. I'm really excited to hear the news that the Dice Men are making a comeback. Really looking forward to hearing Mark, Garth and Leon with their banner and board game news. And I just hope it's going to be many more episodes uh, and years to come of the Dice Men Cometh podcast. Hello everyone, Random Fanboy here. What do you want me to say? I'm so excited the Dice Men Cometh are back on uh, the radio and that podcast thing they do. And I'm really especially excited to have Mark back. He's a good looking one, right? Anyway, welcome back. That enough. Well, there you go. <laughs> we are indeed the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. The song you just heard was Frames by Electrolyte Orchestra, a lovely Tassie act. And the people you just heard were lovely listener uh, Richard, who I keep forgetting his name is Richard. His name's Norkel as far as I'm concerned. And then first we heard from Scott, who is going to hear from me very, very soon, because how dare he not call the little goth metalhead boy Vader and give it to Garth instead. <laughs> I, I grew up being Garth Grader. That, so yeah. that's that's me. You see yourself as Lando all day long, though. He's uh, he's very suave and smooth. I'll give him that. But yeah, anyway, and then um, that mystery guest voice at the end there, Marky boy. What's uh, what's going on with it? Oh, just a oh, just a guy who called up and said he'd like to leave a clip. Yeah, well, you can't argue with that. No, there that, you go. What spectacular editing as well on those wonderful clips. Mm. Hey, Leon, it certainly great. is. Now we're here to talk about board games. We've talked about ourselves, self-indulgent as we do, and we'll continue to do that in about 20 minutes time again but we're going to talk about a board game not only that we're going to talk about an australian board game that we've all had a chance to get to an actual physical table and play in front of that table with actual human beings yes we have but we haven't just played it once no or twice no or even a couple of times we played hey whoa 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 you had a chance to say thrice then and you didn't i'm ashamed of you sorry so go again we haven't played it once or twice or thrice even. Hey. We've played it many, many, many times. And we do need to say a big thank you to Good Games Publishing for sending us a review copy of their latest game, Land vs. C, mm. or Land vs. C, or Land vs. C. However you want to go about it. Land vs. C. <laughs> now, the good thing is, it is a two or three or four player game. And we'll get to all of those different player counts. But primarily... The open-the-box baseline experience you're going to be getting from this is a two-player game. So, that's great for you, Mark, because Mm. you and your wife, Sarah, have been playing, as you say, a lot of two-player games. But what is this game? What is a C, is a better question. Well, we are surrounded by by that particular thing. I've not seen one in a long time. (laughs) I didn't mean to do that, Mark. It's just because I haven't seen, and there's no other way. I've not... You're doing puns in your sleep. Witness one. I'm awake. I'm being very professional. Very, very professional. Can we uh, edit that out and post it? Yeah. So anyway, in this game, two players are facing off against each other. One player is playing land. The other player is playing... Cartographer. C. Uh. And on this game, there's going to be two stacks of tiles. The tiles are hexagons and they're all double-sided and they all have different percentages of land versus the different percentages of sea on them. The easy thing for any gamer out there is to think about Carcassonne tiles because they've got different things on them. Yep. But these are hexes. These are not squares. Immediately, that's interesting for me and I like that. On your turn, you're going to be placing down one of your tiles 
to form or continue your side. If I'm playing land, I want to make land. If mark your C, you want to be making C. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be scoring points whenever you close up that particular type of geography. So if I'm land and I close off an island and I've made it um, into this beautiful little paradise by making sure there's no loose edges, it's all nice and compact, I'll get points for that. I'll also potentially get some bonus points if the tiles have a little couple of X's on them. Mark's going to be trying to do the exact opposite thing. Now, the problem is that every single tile has a combination of land and or sea on it. And when I place this land to try and close off my island, I'm invariably going to be adding a bit of sea. I might accidentally create a little inland ocean for mm. Mark. And that means I don't get the points because I'm land. I don't, want, I don't want seas. I give those points to my opponent. And that is an interesting wrinkle. But, Leon? It sounds like it is part game, part puzzle, Garth. It is a part puzzle because you are constantly battling yourself on where you're going to place these tiles because you've only ever got two of them. And while they're double-sided, it very quickly, as the board state changes, you are really agonising over what your move's going to be because... I know I need to close off islands and start getting points because this game is over and done with in about half an hour. It's really quick. I mean, if that, we just you just taught me earlier tonight for the first time of playing this and it took about half an hour. Once you know what you're doing, you're knocking this out in 15 minutes, 10 minutes. You could have this as a, a game you take to work and knock out in the lunch break with somebody that knows how to play it. Yeah, well, Sarah and I played it the first time and I reckon, you know, like, as a first-time game, it was probably an hour. Then Garth, when was it Carl and I smashed it out while you and Trent were doing something else at another game night. That one only took about 30, 40 minutes. And tonight, as you said, what well, would have been half an hour or less because, yep. you know, we're professionals. We, we get through these things. Absolutely. Uh, when you played it three-player with your kids... Um, probably, what, how long did that one take? Yeah, that was probably about 45 to an hour, but that was including um, adding in some of the yeah. additional options that you had because the base game is pretty much as I've explained. You're going to be playing through the, the couple of stacks of tiles. You're going to be trying to create land or sea, depending on which side you're on, and the game will end once those tiles have all been depleted. Now, there's a couple of little bonuses there. There are, as I said, some little extra points on certain tiles, and if you close them off and it's your landmass, you'll get those extra points. If you close off the other player's landmass but it's got bonus points, they will get the points for the particular landmass. So Mark C and I close it off. He gets the C points, but I'll get the bonus points for mm -hmm. doing that. There's also the tiles that have uh, a couple of extra symbols on them. There's a steel symbol and there's a play again symbol and they are exceedingly self-explanatory. If I play the tile that has play again, I get to play again. I get to place a second tile. Woohoo! If I play a steel tile, I will get to steal a tile from one of my opponents and Mark, that will be you. So I'll steal that tile and that means that instead of having two choices uh, from the two tiles, sorry, four choices, I guess, from the two tiles that we've got, those choices are halved and it makes your life even more painful. And that really makes me happy. Did we mention about the the hidden information of the fact that you've got a you've got double-sided hexagon tile, hexagonal tiles, and when you draw them from the stack, you can only see one of the sides. Well, then you keep it in front of you. I was going to say face down. Well, it's got two faces. But the face that was up when you drew it, you keep that up. So that if someone does get the opportunity to steal one of your tiles, at least look at you and trying to work out, I wonder which one of those tiles Garth is going to play next. What you don't see is 
the bottom side of the tile because they're completely reversible. So there is a little, you know, even though it's a relatively simple game, there's a bit of strategy there. You do have a little bit of hidden information. And that, for me, just adds a little bit extra to what could be seen mistakenly as a, a, a very simple game. There's a little bit of depth to it for a two-player game that you can smash out in half an hour, that's for sure. Absolutely, and this is this is where there's these extra scoring options. Now, as a two-player game, you can choose to add in uh, waypoints, which are basically you put a token on an uncompleted part of your land. When any player completes that landmass, the person who did so gets an extra point. It's a minor thing, probably one of the minorest things out of the whole game in terms of a, a little expansion or, or adding scoring option, but it is in there, Leon. It's nice to have a little bit of extra things you can add, but as a, I just wanted to add to what Mark was just saying before, that when we said that this is a game that you can knock out in half an hour or so, what we mean is that you can teach this relatively simply. You can set this up relatively simply. However, the decision-making and the thought process in it is still... It's quality for that half an hour. It's not the, I'm mindlessly, I only have one option, that's what I'm doing. Like I said, because of the hidden knowledge, because of the way the board state changes, where you can put stuff, the fact that every time you place a tile, you're changing what your opponent's doing, you're giving them some land as well, or C, obviously the two different things. So, yeah, even though it is quick, and as you said, some could misconstrue it as simple, the, the brain power that you use in this game is, I think, quite... Quality is the best way I can describe it for the time you're playing it. Yeah, and I think not to be underestimated is the difference between a square tile, a la Carcassonne, and a hexagonal tile. When a square tile comes, well, you've got, is it four choices? Of which side you're going to place it on. Now, I might hear you say, yes, but Mark, you've got six choices. Well, Firstly, you've got double-sided tiles, so you've got at least 12 choices. But there's also much more of a puzzle of, okay, how many tiles are adjacent? Therefore, how many sides do I need to get to match? Because you can't put a water side against the land side, or indeed, a land side against a water side, surprisingly. It's got to make a seaside, even. I do like to be beside the seaside. Um, So there is... A lot more of a decision to be made about where you're going to place. And then the other thing that, for me, the hexagons bring in is it's easy to enclose a square. Correct. It's not easy to enclose a hexagon. No. (laughs) It's much more complicated. And as we have seen, I've seen it every time that I've played this game, you sort of feel like, well, I'd just like to make that area a little bit more to score a little bit more points. And then along comes some bastard of an opponent who, well, they've got a tile, if I'm water, they've got a tile that has one side of land and five sides of water. And I've gone from this piece of, this body of water that I'm about to close off to one that now I'm going to have to place three or four or five more tiles to even think about closing it off. And that's before that bastard gets to play another tile that opens it up even more. So there is a real danger all of a sudden You've got an ocean that's just going in 20 different directions with no way to close it off, and you're waving goodbye to all your points. So so there is some fascinating elements to it. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're playing to go, what's, what's the best for me? But you've always got that option in the back of your head. What's worst for them? Mm. And that is a lovely thing to have in your head at any time, I think, with any kind of game. Yeah, exactly right. And look, that's where the, the push and pull of this game is, is really at, the two-player. And this is the, the base game version, because it is... 
No end of game scoring, really. It's just play the tiles. Whoever's got more points is the winner. Full stop. That's it. You're not scoring uncompleted oceans or seas, and you're not scoring uncompleted islands. It's just that's your points. Now, on that note, I wanted to just pause and talk about the quality of the game before mm -hmm. we go into the other bits, because it's really cool. It comes in a very small compact box. The box itself is used in the game. So there's an insert in there which acts as the scoring track, which yeah. is really, really cool. The outside of the box that you, you are told to face towards the players also highlights the two symbols, the steal and play again symbol, just so that you don't have to constantly be referring to anything. You can understand straight away from the very first game, this is what you do. There's some nice little tokens in there that you use for scoring and use for waypoints and what have you. That's great. But the quality of the hexagonal tiles is great. I think they look good. And the art on them is good because it sounds like, oh, yeah, it's just going to be boring land and boring sea. But it's not. There's all these little interesting caricatures and bits of art on them as well as other defining parts of it that are, are important in the other scoring options. Mm -hmm. But Leon, yeah. what are you going to say about that? Well, the old art. You see, we can't all be happy-go-lucky and agree around here because that's boring. <laughs> all the fans don't like it when we agree, so I'm going to have a little bit of a dig at this. Now, the art, I think, is really cool. When you first said, oh, there's some cool unique pictures and stuff on it, I looked at closer to the tile and I was like, there's a rabbit with like blood around his mouth. That's that's very metal. That's a that's a kind of thing Leon likes. And this game has about, I can't remember exactly, but something along the lines of 60-odd tiles, and maybe 80, something to that effect. And all the different little bits you can discover on of art on the different tiles, I was like, that's really cool. I then, however, very soon flipped over another tile, which there was another little bunny on it with blood around his mouth, and I went, hang on a tick. This game only has about 60 or 80 little tiles on it and they're only tiny and this person who did design this game is also the person that did the art for this game and then there were a couple of tiles that were absolutely identical now if they were absolutely identical in the in the fact that they have the same amount of water and earth on the same sides i have no issue with that obviously that makes perfect sense Having them have the exact same art in a game that has this small amount of tiles, when you're specifically looking for really cool little cool little Easter eggs almost on those tiles for the pictures that you go, oh, that's really cool, and having some of them duplicated, I don't want to use the word lazy because that's rude. This person probably put their heart and soul into the game, but, mate, you couldn't have knocked out... You couldn't have had that bunny doing something else on that exact same tile on, you know, the, other, the second one. That's all I'm saying. That bunny could have been doing something completely different in a, the exact same tile, and I would have been fine. But having well, them identical... There is a different bunny who seems to be tooting a trumpet from uh, his posterior. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's cool. That, that's great. We've Until you that. see the exact same one a second time, and you go, you could have had another bunny blowing it in his mouth, and the other one laughing at him, going like, <laughs> that was it, my well, butt a second ago. Leon, maybe the designer, Jean-Paul Jacques, was paying the artist, a Mr. Jean-Paul Jacques, by the hour, who knows, and he ran out of cash. He was paying him per bunny to do the exact... Now, <laughs> we can, I'm going to pay you per bunny, but we can't have the bunny doing anything different. He has to be doing the exact same thing. It's just a little nitpicky thing, but it's it, it, it picks on your nit. What can I say? Well, look, on a game where you have only two tiles that you're looking at at any given time, yep. you're going to notice these things. And the great thing is, I, I, I think there are these little Easter eggs, as you say. There's a tile that has Cthulhu on it. There's yeah. all these little sort of vignettes of, of stuff that's happening, and that's nice to be included. And, and part of that are the caravans and the ships that are on these tiles. They form one of the extra scoring options, which just give you some bonus points by placing them. And ultimately, it also adds a bit of end-of-game scoring should you choose to play that slightly more advanced version. 
There's also mountains and corals. And they basically, if you form mountain ranges by having lots of adjacent series of mountains and lots of adjacent coral reefs, they get more points for the land and sea players respectively. And they're really cool. And they do add that extra level of complication and extra level of puzzliness that if you've played this enough and you've, you want to get something a little bit more thinky going on, they are two easy options that you can add on. And again, the quality of the little player aids that tell you how the scoring works, they're big and chunky and they sit on the table quite nicely, which is really, really good. But again, we're only talking so far about the two-player game mm -hmm. here. Mm. Now, we'll quickly go to the four-player version because it's basically the two-player game in teams where if Leon and I were on one side, we were playing land, and Mark and Sarah, you were playing sea, it would go me, Mark, Leon, Sarah. It's kind of the same thing as a two-player game, just having a little bit more player interaction, because if I play a steal, I could potentially steal from three people instead of from just the, my opponent. Why would I want to steal from my, my colleague and um, ally? I don't know, but it's Leon. I just might want to do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's what the four-player version is. Uh, the three-player version is different altogether because it introduces the cartographer player into the whole equation. And what the cartographer is doing is is not scoring when land or sea is completed. They get the bonus points associated with that if they are on any of the tiles. They're mainly focused on scoring points from the contiguous mountains and the contiguous reefs that would otherwise be going to the land or sea player respectively in a two-player version. Now, I've played this a couple of times. First time I played it with my kids, I chose to be the cartographer because I figured that was the slightly more complicated um, role to play. We finished virtually all even it was three points sorry two points from first to second it was like 54 53 and 52 so that was really really even wow yeah we've played it um in as a three-player game only earlier this evening and and look for me it's just it doesn't quite capture the joy and the fun in the two-player version i feel like the cartographer maybe needs to be played a bit more time, but it feels like it's almost a, a passive experience because you're not so focused, for me anyway, on completing the land or completing the sea with the same intensity that the other roles are. You're focused on, oh, that, that bit of land has some mountains, I'll try and make more mountains. Or that ocean has got some more coral, I'll try and make it longer. And yeah, it's, it's just not the same experience for me. Yeah, I kind of found that as well. Because when you're playing the two-player game, there might be something on the board that you, you, you might not see or the other person might, you know, have craftedly in their head, or I can do this in two tiles. And when that happens, you go, oh, kind of, oh, good move, well done. When there's the th added extra of the third person, not only have you got a slight more complication where the rules are a bit more complicated, it's kind of, between the tiles I've got, and as we said before, each tile's got 12 different orientations, then you've got two other people that have got their tiles and different kinds of scorings. It's almost like if somebody comes along and screws up your entire plan that you had, I almost had in my head that, like, there was nothing I could do to stop that because I can't be paying attention to every single thing that's going on here. And when that happens, my mind almost kind of checks out. When I'm playing the two-player puzzle, I kind of go, oh, I didn't see that, you know, drat me or well done you. When it's three players, if something happens that I almost feel like I have no control over because I can't be looking at ten different things at once, I kind of go, eh, well, that's what it is, I guess. Hang on a minute, okay? So I hear, I hear the two of you. Yeah. You're bleeding... You're ranting, you're whinging. So here's a game. Yeah. It's a great two-person game. Not disputing that. It's an okay four-person game, and it's an all right 
three-person game. But <laughs> no. what you're saying is you've got a bonus three-person version. You've got a bonus four-person version. In this two-player game you're buying, the people are giving you stuff for free and you're whinging about it? You're no. whinging about getting extra bonus games, extra bonus game time out of this game. Because let's face it, you would pay this... What's the retail price? It's sort of in that $30 to $40 price bracket. Yeah, which is an awesome price. Yeah, and and that is Australian dollars, which is great because a lot of the board games in Australia are higher because they're coming from far-flung places Mm. and you're paying ridiculous shipping. So look, Mark, for a two-player game, go out and buy this game for 30 bucks. It is awesome. It is really fun and it's quick. And no two games are ever going to be exactly the same because of the sheer variety that these tiles are going to give you because it is massive. You will be amazed how different it feels playing land or sea because when you're playing land, you'll go, oh, sea always has it so easy. I can see how closing up sea is so easy. And then you'll play it and you'll go, what? This ocean is enormous. I'm never going to close this ocean. And the great thing is the rule book. It gives you tips along the way. And look, I must say, Good Games Publishing are excellent at using their rule books for guidance. One of my first aha moments in a, in a, uh, a rule book was when we were looking at an old, old, old uh, original version of Guildmaster mm. that came out years and years and years ago. And they just simply had the percentage and the distribution of rolling dice. And you say, well, if you're rolling these kinds of dice, it's going to give you this result more often. So it's almost like the parabola of, you know, you're rolling two dice, your average is going to be seven, and then you do this and it's going to be blah, 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 blah. And it was brilliant. I really love that. In land versus sea, they do the same thing. They recommend trying to keep small. Focus on making small islands or small little bits of sea because that's just going to get your points ticking along. If you focus on big, massive things, chances are you're not going to close them. And because there's no end of game scoring, you're done. So I really like it as a two-player game. I've had fun with it as a four-player game just because you've got more people around a table interacting with each other, and that's awesome. Three-player, I don't think I would choose it as a three-player game if I had 45 minutes. I would rather play something else. Yeah, two-player game, this is great. The other player counts don't exist for me. If you get any joy out of them, Good for you. And I can't wait for the second edition when every bit of art is unique. <laughs> well, there you go. That was Land vs. Sea by Good Games Publishing. Designer Jean-Paul Jacques, who is also the artist. We'll be back in a minute. You're on Edge Radio 99.3 FM with The Dice Men Cometh. <laughs> G'day, my name's David, I'm from Grail Games, and when I want to listen to an Aussie podcast, I listen to The Dice Men Cometh, mate. Well, there you go. That was Heavy by Rainbow Chan. You are with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. So, we've introduced ourselves. Yeah. We've told everyone why board gaming is the only thing you should be doing with your spare time. Mm-hmm. And we've told them a great game to go and get. Yeah. All we've got to do now is say, what what's going to be happening for the future of the show? And, and what's happening in the future of us and board gaming in general? Well, I will kick it off um, by telling the people that I very sadly... Uh, I'm not. I'm not leaving. Everyone, calm down. I'm not coming back for one episode, then leaving. Just, just relax. Put that text message down. Um, but I will not be here as often due to my work schedule and the, my little buddy that I have to take care of. That is my son. Um, 
But we're also, at the moment, only going to be doing the show on a fortnightly as opposed to a weekly, which is what we used to do. However, we did go to fortnightly when we were in the Zoom era that people might be familiar with. Um, the reason for that is we just want to dip our toe in at first just to make sure. We don't want to go jumping in head first and get overwhelmed. But also the simple fact that the world is still in the state that it's in. Sometimes it's still not that easy to get games to the table and get them played. And we absolutely don't want to be desperate for content. And we've... If you know us, you know that we might be very unprofessional and sloppy, but we don't like to phone it in. We Correct. Li- we like to give you what you want as well as we like to be happy with what we put out. And that's why at the moment we're going to be doing that. And oh boy, do we want to put out. Oh yes. But only every fortnight, only safely, and only with quality content. And we look, we were meant to start two weeks ago. Yeah. And then Mark went licking doorknobs and had to <laughs> be isolated as a close contact. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, here we go. But yeah, look, it's right, Leon... You've got work. I do. You've got a child. I do. He's got a child, Mark. Oh my goodness! I got two. I've You've got, got two. Two fully grown children. Exactly right. You don't tell up talk. Well, I don't talk about my kids too often at all because they're fine. <laughs> anyway, look. One of the exciting things I think that we've all got to look forward to is when we get around a table together, and unfortunately, for us, fortunately for some lucky people in the uh, Canberra region. They're going to be getting together shortly at CanCon, which is obviously coming up in what, a week or so, a few days. Who knows? Um, we've lost track of time down here in the uh, in the Apple Isle. But what we are hoping is that sometime later this year, we will actually get to one or more conventions out there. We will get to see some of our friends that we've played games with before many times and some of our friends we've yet to meet. Uh, Hopefully we'll get to see our buddy QC and she'll get to thrash us. But let's not talk about things that happen in the rooms after dark. Um, We've got that to look forward to. We've also got all our social media output. So remember, we're on the Facebooks. We're on the Twitter, are we? Yeah, we're on the Twitter, but we don't say much. We haven't said much. But Instagrams, that's the other big one. Yes, yes, yes. Look, we've got exciting plans for what we're going to be doing outside the radio studio. And you'll hear more of those on our social media feeds and in the upcoming programs. But I don't know, Garth, what are you up to? Well, look, I just I just would love for, for us to be able to engage with our listeners. So, yes, absolutely jump on socials and tell us what you're, you're looking forward to in the show. Ask questions. Tell us what you would like to be covered. So we've got the, the standard email address, dicemencometh at gmail.com. We're at dicemencometh on all the socials, the Twitter and the Instagram and all of that as well, which is fantastic. So, look, I guess the main thing is I'm just looking forward to getting out there, playing games with more people, travelling. Like oh. the, earlier that I used to travel a travel, little bit. Travel, is that a thing? Travel interstate to spend time with my gaming friends. It's been years. I have not been out of the state of Tasmania in three years. My sister-in-law came in, got COVID, went home, her daughter got COVID. Like, it sounds like a dangerous thing to do. I'm, I'm, I'm not game, but having said that, I am allowing my wife to go interstate on the... In a few days, so <laughs> we'll see what happens, I guess. Well, I'd be curious to see and hear what listeners have been doing during COVID times, yeah. because no doubt there's been a whole number of strategies that people have used, because this has been tough for all of us. There's been life-changing events for a lot of us, and board gaming is meant to be about fun, friends, family, hopefully being able to let off a bit of steam, sometimes create steam around the table. 
So what have you been up to during the, the isolations and the lockdowns and all the COVID times? Hit us up. Tell us what's been going on because you're not the only one who've been going through it. It's a, a global situation yeah. and board gaming will have played some role in it, big, small or somewhere in between. I know it certainly has for me. Lucky enough, I've got a gaming room and I've got some kids who I can force to play around a table with me. And look, when I was recently a uh, special guest on the Spiel podcast's holiday Christmas party, they've invited me back again, stupid fools. Um, you can catch that on the on the Spiel for a few hours. We were chatting away, mucking around. And look, we had we had people from Europe, people from America. I was the Southern Hemisphere representative as usual. But the common theme we were all talking about is how... We've all had this great hobby of board games to help us through the hard times, whether it's actually physically being around the table with someone, whether it's over Zoom, whether it's on the tabletopias and the tabletop simulators and the board game arena and all those other online platforms. Board games is a chance for us to come together, spend time. You know, sometimes you're chatting about the game, sometimes you're chatting about outside of the game it's one of the reasons i love games because it just is sort of social glue for the best and the worst of us and on that note let us leave this particular radio station with that sticky glue that you did talk about mark that is board gaming it's been a while since the three of us have sat here around in the same place at the same time and gentlemen it is lovely to be able to share a radio studio with you all again Episode 322 feels like episode one, but with a lot more experience under the belt, which is great for me. So thanks very much for coming along for the ride. It's been The Dice Men Cometh. It's Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Thank you to Edge for having us back. And mm. we'll be back again, not next week, but in a fortnight with more board gaming. See you all then. Hoya. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.